This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. It is Corey Poirier, and I'm super excited to be back with the latest edition of the show. And I'm also super excited to have a first-time guest with me today. I can't wait to hear more about her and the great work she's doing. Michelle Danner, so excited to have you here today. Michelle, where we usually like to start is to get our guests to tell us just a little bit about themselves rather than me reading a you know traditional bio. Uh, but of course, we're going to dive deeper anyway. But can you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Okay. Well, I am a film director. I've directed five feature films up to date. I'm also an acting teacher. I teach in Los Angeles. I have a school called the Michelle Danner Acting Studio, the Los Angeles Acting Conservatory. And, um, you know, we have students coming to study with us from all over the world, and I go and teach all over the world. That, of course, was before COVID happened. But uh, it will happen again as things are, you know, reopening and hopefully we're working through some of the, you know, obstacles left with this virus. Um, I'm really excited. I have a movie called The Runner. I'm in New York currently. I live in LA, but I'm flying tomorrow to Europe. I'm going to the Ischia Film Festival to show the movie, um, which is super exciting. I shot it right before the pandemic and had the time to edit it during, you know, this lockdown. Um, I had trouble renewing my passports, but I got it done. I had to fly to Dallas, believe it or not, to do it for me and my one of my kids. And um, anyway, so here I am, you know, excited uh, to go and excited to talk to you. Amazing. So, Michelle, I definitely obviously want to talk about and dive into the movie. But before we go there, now that you brought it up, I'd love to talk to you for a second on the pandemic side with the film world. Because, you know, we've just noticed that some of the big films are just starting to drop right now again. It's like a a stall happened and now you know the and I say big I just mean the big budget movies like they were almost like they'd stopped doing them all together and now they're starting to hit the theaters so what was it like you know being in the middle of a pandemic in the film business and I know you said it gave you time to edit the movie but what was it like as far as the challenge of trying to keep going whenever the industry seemingly had kind of come to a bit of a halt well I you know, enjoy the respite. The thing that was difficult to deal with during the pandemic was to, you know, watch the news all the time and, and the amount of the loss of life uh, worldwide and in, in our country, in the U.S. It was very difficult. I've had different moments where I just, and then that, of course, I knew people that have died. And so the whole thing is just enormously hard. Um, I enjoyed not being on the treadmill of life. 
uh, since I'm always go, 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 you know, I, I have a theater and I, I do theater and I do movies and I teach and I've got kids. So, you know, I'm always, it's always something to do. Uh, so I, I actually like not having to go anywhere. And I, you know, had a different process with this movie um, and the editing of it. It's I just, you know, really my nervous system was very calm. I didn't give myself any deadlines. I didn't have to race to the finish line. I said, when I get there, I'll get there because there was so much of the unknown. There still is, you know, in terms of what's the and what's going to happen in the next three months. But um, so yeah, you know, it was a, a tough time, I think, for a lot of people and a lot of my friends. Uh, for me, particularly, I I needed the break, so I was happy for it. And then I realized, you know, with art, you can't rush it. So I want to memorize what this did to my adrenaline in terms of not feeling that enormous pressure all the time to have to deliver. And uh, I wanna take it on to my next project and hopefully give myself that calm, you know, for the process of, of the post in a movie. Wow, well, I mean, I think what I'm seeing is as devastating, as tragic as a lot of the last year has been for a lot of people, it's also, it seems to have brought with us some new approaches to things, some, you know, when you just mentioned you want to keep that calm as you go into the next movie. I mean, I've been forced in my life in every which way possible to pivot. And uh, it's actually allowed me to do things I wouldn't have done otherwise that now I can bring into the future. So I do feel like, uh, you know, there's like everything. We have to find a way to take some things from it that make us better in the future. So I'm glad to hear that's been your experience as well. And I guess on the film side, I mean, let's dive right in. Can you tell us about the film? Like what, you know, what's the film about? I noticed that uh, an actor that I've watched for a while, uh, Eric Belfour, who was on um, the show, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the show now. Uh, Haven. Haven. Haven, yes. Haven uh, with uh, Canadian actor, John Dunsworth, who passed away not that long ago, but was the Trailer Park Boys. Do you remember that show? Uh, everybody watching, uh, he was this Trailer Park supervisor. And so I watched that show quite a bit actually. And uh, he's a great actor. Uh, I really enjoyed him in that show. Uh, so I saw that he's in the movie, but yeah, can you tell us a little bit about the movie and, and what it's about, what, what the inspiration was, uh, why you wanted to direct it, all that kind of good stuff. The inspiration came to me late at night, watching a news report and being absolutely flabbergasted by what happens when um, kids in high school are forced to wire up to capture the drug lord, the drug kingpin of, of the town. Um, I was very moved by that and wrote a three-page treatment that I gave to a writer friend of mine, Jason Chase Trail, and I said, could you please write the screenplay? And he did, and he said it was a hard screenplay for him to write. And then we, you know, worked on it, of course, because that's always what happens. <laughs> draft after draft after draft to come up with something that we all felt, you know, strongly about. Um, but it really started with me being moved by something that's very timely, you know, that's happening in, uh, in the news, in our country, with our kids. And that's something that always, you know, moves me, which is kids falling through the cracks and needing the grown-ups to, to watch over them. You know, being the mother of two kids, that's the topic that always attracts me. But uh, that's what, you know, um, I was lucky enough to cast a great cast, like you mentioned, Eric Balfour, who's really wonderful in it. And uh, Elizabeth Rome and Cameron Douglas, who's fantastic in it. I mean, everybody is fantastic in it. 
and this young kid, uh, Edouard Philippona, who was a student in my class, I saw him do work in my class, different scenes. And one night I, I had a gut instinct that he was the one and he certainly was. He does a great job in the movie. Wow, so there's a few things I'd love to unpack there. One of the things is when you talk about this is something that's going on and, and you drew inspiration from it, from your perspective as well, did you learn some stuff about the world that you didn't realize existed in that world from making this? Because I find we see a lot of times actors, for example, go into a role and they're like, I just, I'm going to go stand beside the person that's done this and I want to learn everything I can. We see people getting, you know, brilliant shape for a boxing movie by, by going, hanging around the gyms. So they learn so much about a different field. Did you learn a lot about that world that you didn't realize? Well, absolutely. I mean, it reinforced, I think, what I, some of what I know, which is, you know, the world is dangerous for our kids. And that's why you have to have a strong hand in communicating with them and knowing what's going on with your kids. Because uh, if you don't, tragedies can happen. And, uh, and a lot of the, the conflict is that drug enforcement, you know, um, uh, police enforcement doesn't notify the parents of this when they're about to do a drug bust and they you know use their kids for a greater good but nevertheless it endangers their kids and, and parents should know you know they should know what's happening with their kids especially obviously if they're minors um so you know yeah i learned that the police uh, has a force has a quota of you know so they have to to capture you know that they, they have pressure um but um it was uh, it, it's a tough subject matter. Of course, we're dealing with drugs and our kids, um, you know, all the time. And then that's something I talk to my kids about because it's everywhere. But uh, stuff that I knew and stuff that I uh, it was like, oh, yeah, of course. And then stuff that I was like, oh, my God. So I did learn for sure. And I wanted to ask you, on the directing side, but then I wanted to uh, circle back into a different area. But the, the on the directing side, what is the, because I, I mean, I'm fascinated by the film business in general, and I've often been fascinated by the director uh, and or writer director and, and just the different things that happen in the film to actually make it come to life. Like my girlfriend and I were watching a movie this weekend and we were just watching the credits roll of how many people involved to make a film. And until you watch the credits roll, you, you don't really clue in that there's that many people that made this one thing that we're watching. So what are some of the challenges a director face for those that maybe are listening that don't realize all the stuff that goes into being a director? What are some of the challenges a director faces? And, and I guess the other side is, how do you get the most out of your actors? I know these are two big questions at once, by the way. Those are great questions. These are great questions. Um, you know, the first one was, how do you, what was the first one? Uh, what are the, some of the main challenges of directing? Main challenges that, that you have to have answers to everything all the time and quick, quick answers. You have to deliver and, and it's lonely because you don't have time to consult. And, you know, it is collaborative in the sense that you're collaborating with a lot of other artists, but uh, you have to have a strong vision with every movie that I did. And I think that every movie, I, I, I strengthened my, my vision. Because I knew that that's the key. The key is that you just have to know what you want. And it's really interesting because in this last movie, my director of photography said, you just knew what you wanted. And I'm thinking, really? I, you know, I have Libra and my astrology. And, you know, I see it this way and I see it that way. And I see it a different way. I see it all kinds of ways. 
And so, but for everybody unanimously to think that I, I guess I, I faked it really well. Uh, no, but I mean, I did know to a certain extent, obviously, because I was prepared. Preparation is the other thing. Preparation is the key. Um, you need to really know this movie inside out. You almost need to memorize it. You need to know every shot. And then you have to be prepared to change it. You have to be prepared to, if there's something you're in the moment and, and you're looking at this location and you go, you know what? I could shoot it right there. Let's shift it here. You have to be flexible. You have to be prepared to improvise, but improvisation only comes from great preparation. And then when it comes to cast, I think the key thing for them is to make them feel safe. I think if they feel safe, then they can try things. They can be spontaneous. They can let go. They can improvise within you know, the text. They can play. Because that's what you want for every actor is to come on set and just play with you. And you want to make it fun ultimately because it becomes like, you know, a heavy thing and a painful thing. Uh, even when you're shooting those big scenes. I mean, I just flashed the scene with the mother and Aiden in the kitchen. It's a big, big emotional scene in the movie. And I think everybody felt so good about it, even though we all get so emotional. Um, you know, you have to, it's, it's a release of emotions. You have to be able to have fun because without having fun, what's the point? So the job of the director is to inspire, you know, everybody, inspire people that are in front of the camera, inspire people that are behind the camera and, um, you know, and stay calm, stay calm and carry on. <laughs> I, I love it. Well, and part of what even, I guess, I was trying to think of why, you know, what, what triggered that question. And I was watching this show, I'm trying to remember the name of it, but I think it might've been called I am Paul Walker, but it was a documentary about Paul Walker's life uh, as an actor and, uh, just and he, I didn't realize until I watched it how much he was an actor that kind of said, you know, if I don't like this role, I don't care if you pay me a hundred million dollars, I'm not doing it. And he was like insistent on that, like he he he, he was going to do a Superman role. He was going to be in what, whichever one of the Superman. And he said they're loading up a bag of money, but he called his uh, manager and said, just so, so you know, I have this costume on and I'm walking off the set. I'm done. And like so, he really was, I guess we'll say, principled about what he felt he should be involved in. But what it really struck me was he worked with this director and I can't remember the name of the movie it was in, but it was just before he did the Fast and Furious stuff. And he worked with the director and the director said, he commented how I was the first director that actually gave him direction. You know, did you try it like this? Did you try it like that? And Paul, at the end, he said, Paul said at the end of that movie, do you have anything else you're working on? And basically he said, I want to be in whatever you're doing next. And he said, it's interesting you should ask that because he said, I have this movie I'm pitching about a, a cop who kind of goes rogue and ends up falling for the people that he's, and so it's Fast and the Furious, he was pitching him. And, and uh, Paul said, I'm in. If I can work with you on this, I'm in. But the thing I took from that was, it was the first director they said in all of that, his acting that actually gave him direction about his role and stuff. And it feels like, I hear that every now and then about certain actors, like you heard about Francis Ford Coppola over the years or Steven Spielberg, where they actually gave the actor direction and so is that a big part of it as well, being able to actually offer suggestions to the actor about how they could play that? I know some actors don't want that probably suggestion, but I'm just curious. It depends who it is. It depends on the, the vision for the scene, the vision for the whole story. Um, you know, and if you're going to have certain actors on set, I, you know, I have Paul Servino on set and some wonderful actors, you, um, you want to be careful what you offer. Uh, and, and because they they bring their game, they bring their A game to you. So chances are 
you know, you don't have to do a lot if you cast it well. That's why they say that casting is 80% of it. If you cast it well, you don't have to do a lot. But, um, but I think that one of the reasons why actors have wanted to work with me on projects is because they want to better the game. You can always better the game. You can always raise the bar. And so they look forward to feedback. Um, and the feedback doesn't have to necessarily come in form of notes, do it this way or do it that way. You know, you can talk about the last take that happened and talk about, you know, uh, the circumstances and the stakes and give, you know, something, give a little fuel for the next take. It doesn't have to necessarily come in the form of, I'm gonna give you feedback or notes because some actors, you know, they know, I mean, what they're doing, but if you're working with younger people, um, you know, for instance, my young actor, if you, you know, in the dailies, you hear me talking, you know, I talk through the take as we're in action. I say, you know, and do this and try that. And, and I think that actors really sometimes really love that. They love being in the moment like that. Uh, yeah, it's a great point. And one of the things that I probably should have added too when I watched this documentary is this was obviously very early in Paul Walker's career as well. You know, so he was probably starving for that because he was just new. Like he had done a bunch of different things, but they were all like, uh, you know, like he was in Pleasantville for like five minutes. You know, he was like that kind of thing. But I think this was the first gritty movie where he was the lead role and somebody actually offering him this rather than just saying you got the part. I think he was looking for that. But it was it was just an interesting uh, idea that he hadn't really had direction in his previous stuff and probably just because he wasn't the lead actor and people were like okay well he's in it for five minutes we don't have time to go and direct you know give him direction on that right. five minute one scene but I just thought I'd ask that but uh, the other thing I'm curious about and it's kind of maybe a full circle or a full circle in a different direction but how did you get into this whole thing because the <laughs> other side is it doesn't seem like when you're going through school there's any kind of courses that in school that say uh, become a director walk through this door and we'll teach you how so I'm just curious how you got into it. Well, I, I, I teach acting. I'm an acting teacher. And, uh, you know, I think it's natural progression uh, to step it up. And I work well with actors. I love actors. And I love telling stories. I'm a storyteller. So the natural progression is to want to sign your work, want to sign your painting. And so by you being able to visualize how you want to tell you know, a story, what do you want to say in it? Um, it gives you, you know, the, the power to do that, which is great, great job. I love directing, I absolutely do, even though I said everything that I said about it, it's lonely and difficult and you struggle, but at the end of it, there's something, you know, very rewarding about it. And now, were you inspired, obviously you love movies, being an acting coach, even before getting into directing perhaps, but were you inspired by other directors? Like, did you watch movies and did you see it from the eyes of the director? I'm just curious how deep it went for you being an acting coach. Did, were you on both sides of that? Like, were you looking through the movie as it would peer through the eyes of the director or do you just watch it as a movie? Yes, I was very inspired by, you know, I loved uh, Nancy Myers as a director. I love her specificity. Um, I love you know, how entertaining her work is. And uh, I love Mike Lee, this English director that improvises his actors and then shoots a finished script that leaves some room for improvisation. I love that. Uh, so I've studied him. And, um, and of course, you know, I've become Quentin Tarantino to 
Steven Soderbergh to, um, you know, a slew, Woody Allen, a slew of directors. I, I have, um, you know, watched their work. And just recently I have um, my son studies film. He uh, wants to watch all of the old movies. And there's always this part of me that goes, oh, you know, I've seen that already, I've seen it. So the other night we watched Casablanca. And I said to him, I was just so grateful. I didn't want to see it, but I was so happy to see it again because I saw things I had never seen and I've seen it several times. And I went, um, thank you. You make me, you know, you make me a better artist um, because the journey of the artist is to want to go deeper inside of themselves, deeper in the process. And, you know, by watching things over and over again, you keep learning and then you do go deeper that way. So, um, and yesterday we watched, uh, you know, with Yul Brenner and uh, Deborah Carr, The King and I, uh, as a family movie. And that, I remember, just was wonderful, too. You know, Yul Brenner was wonderful. It's just, it's great to go back and watch old movies. So I'm constantly learning, you know. I'm watching all the time. I'm learning. If I go to foreign countries, I ask them, you know, I, what are the, the, the most favorite movies in this country? And I usually bring back a bag with a lot of movies. So I'm an avid movie watcher, and so are my children. We all watch together. I love that. Well, I want to ask you, obviously, I want to finish up by asking you how we can watch the movie, all that kind of good stuff about the movie. But I want to ask you one last quick question on the directing side, which is, is it easier now or harder or indifferent uh, being a female director? Like, uh, you know, obviously for years, I mean, when we heard directors' names, it was always male directors. And now we're seeing so many great female directors move into the industry or they've been there and they're finally getting recognition. Is it easier now? Are you, you know, happy with the progression it's taking? What are your thoughts on being a female director? I guess is really. Um, you know, I think I've always decided that I wanted to tell this story or that story or, you know, I'm going to shoot something in the fall and, and then I have something lined up for next year and somebody offered me a great movie, which I hope works and happens. Uh, it's a courtroom drama. Um, you know, I, um, you know, I'm just so passionate about doing the work. Uh, I think there's more opportunities for directors, for female directors, you know, today. There's more opportunity for minorities today, which is great because that's all, you know, artists want. They want opportunity. They want just the chance to do it, to do the work, to be creative. Um, you know, regardless what the status is about women directors, which like I said, I think doors are opening up. Um, I, uh, I will always find a way to direct anyway. If I want to do it, I'll, I'll get it done. So, uh, you know, I love that. that's my motto. <laughs> and in terms of watching, so I have a movie that I just got released last December called Bad Impulse. It's a psychological thriller. It keeps you on the edge of your seats. It's got some horror and supernatural written by the same writer that wrote The Runner, Jason Chase Terrell. Great cast. Uh, Grant Buller, Sonia Walga, Paul Servino is in it. And uh, apparently it's, you know, I did the festival circuit with it as well. And uh, people have said keeps them on the edge of their seats. Very scary. You can see it everywhere. You can watch it on Amazon. Uh, and it, it's, it's in every platform. And this movie here, uh, I think, will be released in the fall. So... This movie will also be, you know, theatrical. I think we're looking, it depend, depends what happens with the virus. Because Bad Impulse was going to have a theatrical in 40 cities and then it didn't happen. But this might have a theatrical if, if it's safe. 
well, I'm going to cross my fingers around that. And so, but you're doing, you're doing the press now, obviously to get the word out and make sure people know about it. Yeah. Cause we're doing the festival circuit. So we're doing interviews. Yeah. Love it. This is, you know, it's amazing. Cause like I said, I, I'm really fascinated by the film business and the idea of uh, the directing side. I mean, I, I've always looked on the outside and it's something when I was growing up, not as a young kid, but as I got in my twenties, I thought I'd love to do that. And then I did it on a very small scale, like the, you know, five minute shorts and stuff like that. Uh, but I never really pursued it and I've often been fascinated by it. So, you know, I thank you for being willing to share what it's like behind the camera and on the other side. And at the same time, um, I'll ask you this one last question. If people want to, find out more about what you're doing, what you're up to. Is there any hub or any place you would send people? Yes, you can go to Michelle Banner Acting Studio, Los Angeles Acting Conservatory, and on Instagram, Michelle Banner LA. And you can find out all the latest of the latest. Amazing. Well, Michelle Danner, this has been an absolute pleasure. I thank you so much. Uh, we'll you. spread the word about the, the new movie. And of course, make sure people get out to see the previous one. We'll put that in our show notes and all that kind of good stuff. But thank you so much for coming and joining us today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.